Good morning. Good morning. Y'all are sitting up a little taller this morning. Do y'all like the cushions? They look beautiful. They look beautiful. Yeah, they yeah. It'll it'll be easier to get up at the end of the service. Just just a little bit at spring and you'll get up. No problem. We welcome you to worship at College Park. We're so glad that you are here this morning. We'd like to find out who is in worship. Uh, the way we do that, there are pew pads on the inside aisle of every pew. We invite members and guests. Uh, take this pew pad, write your name down, uh, give us contact information if you choose, and send it down so everybody has a chance to fill it out on your pew. Uh, we do ask once it reaches that last person, uh, if you could send it back to where it got started, and when it comes back to the first person, if you could tear out the pages that were used today, and our ushers will collect those at the end of the service. Thank you for that. Several things are listed there in your bulletin. Uh, Draw your attention to a couple of things. Uh, School is officially out. Uh, That was the Holy Spirit. Um, Yes, the teachers are excited. Um, School is out. Um, Reminder with that fact, we have several things that are coming up, changes in our church schedule, uh, lots of camps that are happening for preschoolers, for children, uh, sports camps, uh, things happening with youth. I'm going to draw your attention to a couple of those. Um, there is no Wednesday night schedule uh, this week. Uh, then the following week, uh, we will start our Wednesday night picnic at the park. Uh, the staff will be sharing uh, studies on their or devotional thoughts on their favorite uh, psalms. Um, there's an official title, but I'm not really prepared to sing it to you. Um, sing a psalm. Sing out loud. Make it strong. Okay. All right. I heard it in reruns. Um, but the staff is going to share on Wednesday nights uh, their favorite psalms throughout the summer. Uh, and we hope that you'll come and be a part of that. But that starts not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday. It's going to be a great start to the summer. Um, bring your own supper. Every kitchen is closed. All right, so bring your own supper. Um, that starts next Wednesday. You're on your own. All right. Week from Wednesday. This Wednesday, you're on your own, but don't nobody come here because uh, there's nothing happening on Wednesday night. Right? How many people are doing announcements this morning? I don't know. There's like 10 people back here who are saying an announcement. You just don't get to hear those things. All right. We are having children's time today. Invite the kids to come on down for just a few minutes to meet with me. Uh, Tomorrow, uh, no Monday morning Bible study tomorrow morning. Make note of that. And I think other things are listed there in your bulletin. Invite you to, to take a look at those. We want to say a special welcome to our guests this morning. We're blessed by your presence in worship today. We have ushers that are coming down the aisles now. Uh, if you're a guest, just raise your hand right where you are. Uh, you gave us your information a few moments ago on the pew pad. Thank you for that. Uh, if you're a guest, we want to give this packet of information to you. Inside the packet, you'll find a letter from our pastor welcoming you to our church. Also, a newsletter that tells you what's going on in the life of our congregation and a little bit of the story of College Park. So thank you for being a part of worship this day change I think it's the only constant sometimes in our world change and it could come in the form of 
beautiful pew cushions in the form of a, of a new child born into, into the world or a diagnosis that you were unexpected and you were not expecting. Our God is eternal. And no matter what changes the world may throw at us, whether it's a summer schedule, an unexpected illness, struggles within our family, God is constant through the change. He walks with us. He sent us the Holy Spirit to be His presence in our world. And when we are in God's presence, when He comes into this place, then worship can begin. Let's prepare for worship. thank you for the privilege that is to even be able to call your name. You are so holy and we are so sinful. Father, we thank you for the forgiveness we have received on the cross, the sacrifice of Jesus and the presence of the Holy Spirit the gift that you gave to us so that we would not face the dark days alone. Thank you for your presence in this place. May we worship you with with everything we've got because that's what you gave us. Everything. Hear us as we worship. In Jesus' name.
Good morning. It's good to see everybody this morning. I have a special picture I want to show you this morning. All right, are you ready for a special picture? Does anybody know who this is? Matthew and Mommy. This is a picture of my family. It's Matthew and Mommy and me. Now, how do you get to be in my family? I know, I know. Everybody wants to be, I know, but how, how do you get to be in my family? It's kind of hard, right? Wait a minute. I'm already in somebody else's family. Wait, I'm very confused. Let me check, let me show you something else. This might help a little bit. Does anybody know what this is? A library card. A library card. How do you get one of these? from the library you go into the library and and ha- and what do you do you say can i ha- i want a library card and what does this library card do for you can you can get books and what can you do with those books you can take home they've got movies they got all kinds of cool things that you can check out and take home right and you have to return them but can anybody get a library card If you live in Forsyth County, you can get a library card, right? It's free. There's no, there's no, you don't have to do anything except get a card, fill out a form, and you can have all those cool books that you can take home, right? Do y'all like going to the library? Do you like some of the cool things that you get to do there? Did you know every, anybody who has a library card like this can check out books at the library? Now, I have a question. How do you get, I talked about in in my family, how do you get to be in God's family? Did you know God has a family? How do we get to be in God's family? By doing the right thing? Does it cost anything to be in God? It's free, right? We have to love Jesus and follow him. And then everybody who does that, are they in God's family? Yes, just like the library card, it doesn't cost anything, and everybody can do it. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, where you come from. It's being in God's family, just like the library card. You can be in God's family, sir. Right, right. So, we can be... In God's family. Everybody. See everybody in here? Look, look at, don't they look nice and tall? This is part of God's family. Back here, you see all the people up in the choir? They're part of God's family. Just like you and I can be part of God's family. If we follow Jesus. That's all it takes. Okay? That's how we're part of God's family. Will you pray with me? God, thank you so much that it doesn't matter who we are, where we come from, as long as we love Jesus and follow him, we are part of your family. Help us every day to choose Jesus' way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good job. And because of our loving church, these children learn early what it means to be a part of that greater family, of God's family, because of all of you. Today's 
Scripture passage that we'll be sharing together is 2 Corinthians 4, 13 to 5, 1. If you'd like to follow along, page 818 in the Pew Bible. I'll begin. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God. An eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. May God add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. Join me in our time of prayer. Lord, our hearts sing for joy this morning because of our relationship with Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, that leads us to come here to this place 
to worship you and to gain strength from your presence as well as from each other. Thank you for calling us to be church that our hearts may sing together of the living Lord and of the transformation that you bring to us each and every day. Lord, we have much to sing about. We do have a heavenly hope and a heavenly home that is very real, that is waiting for each of us, and that makes our hearts sing. We can relax and live the life that you've given us to live with all the challenges and all the joys because you are preparing a place for each of us where we shall be with you in glory. And Father, we can also sing for joy because we are family. You have called us together and we praise you for the greater family of Christ that we're a part of. Churches meeting everywhere during the course of this day. There are those who meet in the darkness of caverns because of fear and underground tunnels and churches. There are those, Father, who meet risking their lives to come together and worship you. So we thank you for the many blessings that we have this opportunity to come in freedom and to worship you. So Lord, we thank you for our church family, for the hope that is ours in heaven. We thank you for the hope that we experience each day and that we celebrate together as we work, as we serve, as we love, as we invite people to become a part of your family. Lord, use us all that others may come to know the joy, that they may sing of the joy of being part of the family of God. In Jesus' name, amen.
Today we're talking a lot about families, and I just wanted to tell you that Karen and I, the thing, one of the things we're most thankful for is this church family. This church family has meant so much to us. Back in 2003, uh, because of my work, we moved away, and I can tell you we miss this place a lot. Um, you know the old Joni Mitchell song says, you don't know what you've got till it's gone. That was certainly true for us. So I just encourage you to look around, look at the people that are here, and think about how much you love them, how much they love you, and how they've supported you. Don't take that for granted. Okay? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you at this time to thank you for all that you've given us. Our blessings are many, but we often take those blessings for granted or begin to feel that somehow they're the result of something we've done. Help us to appreciate the things we have and to always recognize that everything we have is a gift from you alone. You've also blessed us by allowing us to live in a country where we're free to openly worship you and speak your name. Yet we often fail to use that freedom to share the good news of Jesus Christ with those we encounter. Remind us of the great commission you gave us. Make each one of us bold in speaking your name and sharing your gift of salvation with those who don't know you. Now we have a chance to give back just a small portion of what you have given us. Take these gifts and use them and use each one of us to further thy kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
summer. <clears throat> it's very humbling, and I'm going to have to talk a little while to give our sound man a chance to adjust because I have a different type of microphone on today. It's very humbling for a pastor to lose his voice. Um, I apologize to those I normally visit with on Sunday mornings that I did not do that today, but I'm trying to save what, what little I have left from nine o'clock for, for you today. Those that were here Wednesday night 
you, you know that I lost my voice right before Helen Simmons's funeral Wednesday, which was an awkward moment. Um, but I, I recalled what Charles Edwards said years ago. He said, there will be no sound men in heaven. And, and that, was, that was verified Wednesday at Helen's funeral. Um, I, I will add an addendum to that, though, Charles. Only College Park sound men. Uh, we, we are truly blessed to have um, uh, gentlemen who, who go with the flow. We are also blessed uh, that we have good equipment that can compensate for the failures of the preachers. <laughs> it, it's a funny phenomenon, though, when you speak softly. You know what people generally do? Well, that's what the commercial said. The commercial said that they listen. Something else they do is when you speak softly, you hear feedback. No, when, when you speak softly, generally, they do. They, they, speak, you, they speak softly back to you. That is the ones that aren't saying, huh, what'd he say? What? <laughs> what'd he say? And, and through all of this, I, I've been so encouraged by my staff, uh, one of which gave me a note before I came up. and says, if your voice bothers you too much, feel free to cut it short. <clears throat> that's, uh, that's good. Thanks for that, Chris. I'll save that. <laughs> staff evaluations in August. Yeah, that's right. But I'm, I'm not worried about it all. Um, I've got a backup plan. Uh, Ron Cobble's already heard this sermon once today. Ron, notes are right here. If I fall out, he's going to pick right up and keep it going. But uh, uh, it is, it's good to be together. We, we've talked about family, and it is tremendous to have love and support of your family uh, in all of life's circumstances. Uh, and this Sunday kind of fits in between two really big family Sundays. Several weeks ago, we had Mother's Day. Right? The last week we celebrated kind of a, a monumental day in the life of families, and that is graduates, uh, graduation, a transition for families as well. And then next week is Father's Day. Don't forget, call your daddy if he's still with us. Call him, let him know how much you appreciate him. Um, and this gospel reading today from Mark chapter 3 it's actually last week's gospel reading if you look at the Revised Common Lectionary. Uh, but I liked it so much. I had high plans and hopes for preaching this passage. <laughs> but but it, it, it's a great passage because it talks about a, a little bit different idea in terms of family and what family means. It, it, it's really not the picture that you see on postcards or that you see portrayed in Hallmark specials on, on Saturday evenings or Friday evenings on television. Um, it's really not your grandma's family. That's not what we're going to read about today. You know, that image from Americana that says, you know, grandma's family, everybody's around, and we all love each other and encourage one another and all of that. That's, that's not what we're going to be talking about. I'm grateful for Reverend Gordon Timbers for his commentary on these particular verses because they kind of march in line with, with how I view what's going on here. Uh, so now that your interest has been stirred a little bit, let's read it together. It's Mark chapter 3, and we'll be reading beginning in verse 20, and we'll read down to verse 35. It says, Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. 
This happened a lot, people. Everywhere he went, people wanted to be close to him. They wanted to be near him. And when his family heard about this, they went out to take charge of him, for they said, he is out of his mind. The boy has lost his mind. And the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, he is possessed by Beelzebub. By the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. So Jesus called them, and he spoke to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. In fact, no one, no one can enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man. Then he can rob his house. I tell you the truth, all the sins and the blasphemies of men will be forgiven them. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. He is guilty of an eternal sin. More about that in just a few minutes. He said this because they were saying he has an evil spirit. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers, he asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle right around him, and he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. And you thought your family was dysfunctional. Yeah. Yeah. First of all, this is, this is not the gentle Jesus, meek and mild, that is so popular. It's, it's such a popular yet limiting image of Jesus. You know, we've, we've seen the pictures. Seen the pictures of the well-groomed, well-behaved children sitting around Jesus. First of all, whose kids are those? But anyway, um, these well-groomed, well-behaved children sitting around Jesus. Or the picture maybe of him holding a lamb. So we kind of have this picture of gentle Jesus probably would not raise his voice except that one incident when he was clearing the temple. And we understand that. So we kind of have this image of Jesus but yet here, what, what Mark is giving us here in this gospel is a picture in very vibrant colors with lots of action, with lots of vocabulary that startles and kind of shocks our preconceived notions of Jesus, who, who Jesus was, and certainly of who Jesus' family was. It was probably pretty eye-opening for the people that witnessed it, although a lot of those people were probably people that grew up in, around Jesus. And, and they knew kind of the deal. You, you know how it works. Small villages, small towns, families in and out. You, you kind of know what's going on in the village around you. That, people that grew up with Jesus, they kind of knew what, what was going on with him and his family, or at least they thought they did. You see, let's review just a minute. In first century Palestine, the family was, was the foundational block for the society. 
All of society built around family. It was a lot like America up until culturally, say, late 80s or so. Late 1980s, America was pretty much a family-based uh, unit. And, and in first century Palestine, that was the deal. Family provided security for those who were born into it. And, and orphans and widows were, were very vulnerable because they, they had lost that, that sense of protection of a larger family. And I'm convinced that's the reason the Bible constantly, over and over and over again, emphasizes taking care of who? The widows and orphans. And and you can take it literal or you can also expand that to say those who had lost their, their family, the protection. And, and as we think about our modern culture, there are so many. They don't have to be widows and orphans in the literal sense. There are so many that have lost family. And that's tragic. And it's tragic that we have lost that sense of family. And then, then much like today, people also derive their, their, their status, their personal standing because of family. For example, you know the saying, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Let me introduce you to so-and-so. Oh, you're, you're Earl's boy. Yeah, I've got a job for you. Well, that delights a parent's heart, not because he's Earl's son, but because he's got a job. <laughs> he finally has a job. Okay, uh, standing in the community, your social standing, family, protection, encouragement, all of those things then as now come from family. And if you've paid attention to world events lately, it's, it's obvious that family honor is still a, pretty much a life and death situation in the Middle East. You know, watch. Watch and see what happens when, when because of religious or political purposes, someone shames their family. I'll tell you one thing, they don't want to go back home. Because they know what will happen to them when you get there. And so given this aspect of Middle Eastern culture, understand that Jesus must have hit a nerve. When he, when he speaks sharply to his own family members, who granted, um, to say the least, were embarrassed by him. They were embarrassed by what he was doing. When, when his family heard that he had attracted yet another large crowd. The Bible tells us they went out to restrain him. The NIV says to take charge of him because they knew what people were saying. And people were saying he's gone out of his mind. The boy has lost his mind. Jesus' response to him, well... When told that his mother and that his siblings were outside waiting for him, Jesus redefines what true family is all about. He says it's not about blood relations, but by whoever does the will of God. Quote, whoever does the will of God. Well, you know how that must have gone over when word got back to mama and the brothers. You know, I, hmm, I, I'm convinced I am convinced that Joseph, Jesus' earthly father, he must have been deceased by this time. 
because otherwise, otherwise we'd have had this big come to Joseph meeting, you know, of the family, right? If Jesus starts redefining who family is, it's like, come here, boy. Let's, let's sit down. Let's, let's talk about this a little bit. And yet, he was the son of God. Hadn't the family, had they forgot all about this deal at the temple at age 12? Had, had they not had other clues and reminders since age 12? And, and understandably, we, we, we may find it difficult to deal with what seems like a rift between Jesus and his earthly family, his siblings, his mother, uh, who, who've got this big, apparently, embarrassment about who Jesus was and what he was doing. And, and so they're trying to rein him in and restrain him. You see, but that's not all. It wasn't just earthly family. It was also his extended faith family, the faith tradition of the church that he had been raised in. These Jewish religious leaders also declare that Jesus is out of his mind. And they went on to say that, that he has Beelzebub. And by ruler of the demons, he cast out demons. Are you kidding me? Both of these expressions of family opposition come from the same point of irritation, and that is the fact that Jesus is not behaving as they wish. He's not acting like one of them. So therefore, he must be crazy. He must be crazy. Or even worse, he's possessed. Do they really realize who they're talking to here? I would argue they would say yes, but they really don't. Not yet. Not yet they don't. And and a a quick review of the preceding passages, chapters in Mark's gospel shows that Jesus is different. He is not like them in all ways. You know, even after John the Baptist had been arrested back in chapter 1, Jesus continues to proclaim that the kingdom of God is at hand and he was calling on people to repent, to turn away from their life of sin and to repent. Even more radical than that, at least in cultural circles, was the fact that he just, he kept hanging out with the wrong kind of people. Tax collectors, prostitutes. And and, and he created more notoriety by healing lepers who were kind of the ultimate social outcast and by freeing those who had been been held by the same kind of spirits that he was being accused of being possessed by. He publicly restored health and mobility to those who had been paralyzed. And he dared to question the observing of the Sabbath. Complaints constantly just kept escalating, escalating, cascading. They wanted, they wanted, they wanted him silent. They wanted him to hush. And so they say, you know, Beelzebub, that's who's speaking through that guy. Don't pay any attention to him. He's evil. That's what they were saying. Because Beelzebub, understand, if you go back and look it up, the B-E-E-L of Beelzebub is, is, is the Greek form of B-A-A-L. Do, do you remember Baal? 
Go back to the Old Testament. Remember the Baal worshipers? Baal was a fertility god that was, that was native to the, to the land of, of Canaan there. It was a false god, obviously, but it's the god that those people worshipped. And so to say that Jesus is being led by Beelzebub is to say that everything, everything we've been fighting against as God's people, everything we've been fighting against as God's people, he represents. That's how strong it was. He is being led. He is being influenced. He is healing by the power of that false God that we know our God has been warning us against for generation after generation after generation. See, that's how strong it was. Expressly forbidden by Yahweh, and yet he is, he's healing people by that same power. But once again, Jesus is not without a creative and very powerful response. He spoke of a kingdom divided against itself, a house divided against itself. If you pick up the the message, which is Eugene Peterson's translation of the Bible, it reads like this. Does it make sense to send the devil to catch a devil, to use Satan to get rid of Satan? A constantly squabbling family disintegrates. If Satan were fighting Satan... There would soon be no Satan left. You see, what Jesus is saying is is that if if he wasn't changing people by the power of Satan, which obviously he wasn't, then what's left? The line of reasoning is, okay, you guys aren't making any sense because Satan would not cast out Satan. The Lord of the demons would not cast out demons. Demons. Okay, so if if I'm not doing it by that power, whose power am I doing it by? And of course, the answer is obvious to us, as it was perhaps to many in the crowd that day, and that's by God's power. There's no other option here. No other option. So the question to his accusers then is, is why would they oppose what he is doing by calling it the work of the devil? Why would they oppose it? In verse 29 and 30, Jesus speaks very strong words that actually stand in pretty strong contrast to the promise of forgiveness in the preceding verse, verse 28. In those two verses in 29 and 30, he said, you know, there is such a thing as an unforgivable sin. And, and I know through, through church history, you know, since the very beginning, you know, there's, there's different parts of of church history that have declared they knew what the unforgivable sin is, but forget all of that and just look at what scripture says. Back in verse 23, we read that Jesus has called his accusers, his family, and his scribes alike to hear what he has to say about blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which is what he calls eternal sin, for which there is no forgiveness. And he, he, he particularizes He personalizes what that means in verse 30 when he said, for they had said he has an unclean spirit. You see, the the sin against the Holy Spirit is an act of defiance against God. 
in calling the work of the Holy Spirit the work of the devil. Do you get it? Do you understand? And in doing that, by by calling the work of the Holy Spirit and attributing that or crediting that to the work of the devil, you have rejected God by rejecting the one sent by God. So if if the power of God, if the power of the Holy Spirit was sent to convict us of our sin and draw us close to God, if we constantly push against that and want nothing to do with being drawn to God through, through the, the saving act of Jesus Christ by the leading of the Holy Spirit, if we want nothing to do with that, then that is obviously an unforgivable sin because we never pray to receive Christ for the forgiveness of sin. Are we clear? Am I making sense? You see, and these words, as Jesus kind of puts them out there for him, there's nothing meek and mild here. It's strong. It's very strong what he's saying. The, the words are as jarring for us as they must have been for his mother and his siblings and for the religious leaders. You see, it's hard for us to hear this kind of warning because it makes us wonder, have I committed this unforgivable sin of being defiantly rebellious against God? Well, there's great writing by John Mark Hicks, who is a theologian, a writer, and a professor. And, and uh, I kind of track with him. He, he says that, that, that unforgivable sin really has nothing to do with some inadvertent remark about the Spirit or one's uh, unbelief at some point in their life it, or a willful sin in the past. Rather, it is a persistent rejection of Jesus as the herald of the kingdom of God. The condemnation continues as long as that rejection continues. Rejecting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, rejecting the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, drawing us to Christ for salvation. That's what we're talking about. And we can at least be relieved to know that even wrestling with these type of things in, in, in and of itself is a sign of the Holy Spirit at work within us. Because otherwise the, the wrestling would be very one-sided. Okay, so understand. Understand that unforgivable sin is to knowingly reject God's love and forgiveness. If you turn back to the words of today's gospel reading, we, we would say that those who, who try to thwart God's will for, for wholeness and, and cleansing. They're, those are the ones who are out of their minds. Those are the ones who have an unclean spirit. Those who join with Jesus in doing the will of God. That, that's, that's what family is. That's God's family. The, the family that he referenced. The family that the new, uh, new Revised Standard Version translate the true kindred of Jesus not defined by any blood except his. His blood. His forgiving blood. That's what makes us community of faith. That's what makes us family. People who are demonstrating God's reign in the world, who are breaking down Satan's kingdom by building up the kingdom of God. And as already been said here today, for that family, which includes You, my brothers and sisters, for that family, I am eternally grateful. How about you?
Yes. Let's pray and thank him. Gracious Father. Gracious Father. We love to say that word, Father. Because it helps us to remember that that we are your children. Imperfect though we may be, Father. We still have the family, the forgiveness, the encouragement that keeps us on our journey. That gives us a reason to awake each day and give thanks. Father, for this body here that we call College Park Baptist Church, we are truly thankful. As we've already said today, help us not to take it for granted. Help us to give thanks in all things. And Father, as we encounter other people who do not have that sense, the the widows and the orphans of our day and time, We pray that we would love them unconditionally, even as you love us unconditionally. Not saying we have to agree with where they are in life. But love them unconditionally as you love us unconditionally. And in doing so, show them your love, your peace, your mercy, your grace. Father, we pray that we would encourage one another that we would continue to love and lift up each other. And when we stumble, that we would pick one another up. God, for the blessings of this day, we are, are again truly thankful. For it's in your son's precious name that we pray. Amen. If you're here this morning and, and you do not know Jesus Christ, if, if you sense that, that he's calling you, that the Holy Spirit is, is drawing you, toward a relationship with him, please don't put that off. Please do not put that off. Uh, Respond this morning. I'll be here at the front. uh, And and when you come down, I'll try my best to talk with you. (laughs) Um, But we'll have time of prayer together. And uh, if if you don't want to come this morning, again, I I prefer you don't put it off. It's very important. But if, if you'd rather talk about it maybe later today or sometime this week, give me a call. I'll be glad to meet with you and, and discuss it with you. Uh, if you are here and, and you say, Raymond, I, I am a believer, but I haven't really been tracking maybe with what God wants from me. Or maybe I've missed an opportunity this week that I knew God was leading me toward to take care of a widow or an orphan. And, and I, I, it was uncomfortable, so I set it aside. Um, today is the day. Just restart. Push the reset button and say, God, I, I want to live more as you want me to live. And less about me, more about who you want me to be. If you're here and you'd like to be a part of this membership, a great group of believers, we're family, we truly are, and we invite you. There are many ways we receive members. We'd be glad to talk with you about it. Uh, whatever your decision is, I invite you to make that as we stand and sing together now.
invite you following our benediction and the response uh, to express family one to another, uh, encourage one another. And if you, the person you're standing beside it has seasonal allergies, encourage them to stay on their medication like the doctor has prescribed it, okay? There's a reason why they do that, all right? It's good to see you today. Let's close in prayer together. Gracious Father, thank you for this chance, chance to be together. Father, to feel your presence, not only in our lives individually, but in our lives together, drawing us closer, making us one, helping us to continue to complete the work that Christ began. And Father, as we do so, others will see Christ in us. That is our goal. That is our prayer. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray.